You're listening to Tiger Talk, the student media podcast. I'm your host, Piper Hutchinson, bringing you news from LSU and the Baton Rouge community. We're joined today by Gabby Jimenez, a Revely reporter who recently talked to some out-of-state students about why they chose LSU. I mean, Louisiana has some downsides sometimes. Um, Crime is on the rise and vaccination rates aren't. We are expecting an above average hurricane season. Uh, Legally, abortions just became criminalized in almost all cases. And that's not even to mention the weather, which is downright hellish sometimes. So, Gabby, when you were speaking to these students, did they express any reservations about why they chose LSU? Um, No, not really. Across the board, it's one of those things where it's just they don't think about it. They're so excited at the prospect of coming to LSU, getting to go to the football games in Death Valley, that it really isn't a thought in their mind. So did you find that like most of the students you talked to already had like an emotional connection formed with the university when they walked on campus? Definitely. They um, a lot of them claimed that they were like falling in love with the university um, when they took their campus tour, but they didn't seem to notice like, oh, all the potholes in the road and maybe the campus gets a little bit dangerous at night. They're just so in love with the idea of LSU that they don't think about it. So do you think they're going to be hit with a harsh reality? Like when those potholes, you know, are there, they're tripping on them, they're running over them with their car. We recently had a shooting on campus and a state rep was just arrested for driving recklessly near campus. Do you think that's going to hit them in a few weeks? It'll definitely be a harsh awakening. Um, especially if we get any uh, like active hurricanes happening anytime soon. Like I remember my first year here, we had Hurricane Ida, and that was like, oh, wow, I, I did go to school in Louisiana. Um, but definitely they're, they're going to get an awakening, especially their parents. You know, the parents are all getting these texts from LSU PD, and I'm sure they're worried. But honestly, the positives of LSU tend to outshine the negatives. What were those positives for you when you showed up on campus? Definitely the student organizations. LSU has so many things to get involved in, and you really just can't be lonely on campus. You know, there's so many people. There's so many things to do. Every single day there is something happening, whether it be in the quad, in the student union. Um, There is just so many things to get yourself involved in. And even like football games, when the sporting events happen, that's also a really big deal. Yeah, I think everybody pretty much agrees that, you know, the magic of LSU is in the people that are here. Looping back to some of the negatives, though, what was it like experiencing a hurricane? I mean, um, you're from San Antonio, right? So not a lot of hurricane activity happening there. Um, What was that like for you? going through Hurricane Ida. I'm going to be honest, at the first sight of a hurricane, my dad was on his way over here. I completely missed all the hurricane action, but the way I kept up with it was um, Mike the Tiger in his cage, they have uh, live footage of his habitat. And so I would always like check in and see like, oh, is it raining over there? And I know my roommate wrote it out. She stayed here, but it kind of just seemed like 
I don't know, they seemed a little miserable in there, like, you know, just locked up in your dorms. No one else is around. You can't go outside. So, Yeah. Well, to all the anxious parents, I guess they can always check the Mike the Tiger cam. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Claire, you're also an out-of-state student from Connecticut. Where in Connecticut are you from? I'm originally from Waterbury, Connecticut, which is kind of like a small city. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm sure you guys have different weather events there, but like what was, you know, going through a hurricane like, you know, from somebody from the Northeast? It was definitely uh, something I was worried about. And I talked to both my roommates who are from New Orleans and they told me I should chill out. So that helped a little bit. Um, I think it's kind of weird coming from out of state and seeing a lot of people are pretty lax about hurricanes, like obviously prepare, but they're kind of like, oh, here we go again. And they kind of get into hurricane preparation mode. Meanwhile, I was a little bit more checking the satellite every hour and seeing what was going to happen there. Um, So it's definitely an adjustment. We do have our share of snowstorms and things like that in the Northeast. So I was a little bit used to the power outages and preparation, things like that. But it's definitely something to get used to if anyone ever does get used to it. Were your parents freaking out? A little bit. I got a lot of texts um, from my brothers saying, you know, you still here, things like that. Um, but I think we we're pretty safe on campus. I think that's the general consensus is LSU's a good place to be when a hurricane happens. So I felt pretty good about that. Yeah, I mean, it does seem like LSU gets its power back a lot more quickly. I'm living just at the North Gate, and we did less than a day without power. So that was uh, made things a lot easier. Um, Claire, you know... Claire, you're our opinion editor at the Reveille, so I know you might have some more hot takes about what it's like, you know, coming to Louisiana from a northeastern state. Um, Could you share a little bit about, you know, those concerns and maybe how you got over them and decided to come to LSU? I think surprisingly, maybe more of my hot takes are about the northeast and how people in the northeast perceive the south than it necessarily is about the south. Um, Though, of course, I write a lot about Louisiana and things like that, and there's definitely problems here. Um, But I think I was surprised initially when I was coming to LSU, the reactions I got from some of my peers were kind of like, why are you going to the Deep South? Why would you leave the Northeast and things like that? And I think that's one of the reasons I wanted to leave is because I feel like the Northeast is kind of this bubble and there's a lot of misconceptions about the South that people kind of have. Um, But I really wanted to get out of my tiny state and come somewhere very different. And so to me, that's what attracted me to Louisiana. That's why I was really excited to come down here. Um, And there definitely are a lot of differences between the two states, of course. Well, you know, I do think, you know, Louisiana and other Southern states do kind of get a bad rap. Um, You know, we, we hear, at least recently, we've been seeing like a lot of negative headlines about Louisiana in the national news, which is fair enough because there is some negative news happening right now. Um, But the South is such a beautiful and like culturally diverse place, um, a lot more racially diverse than Connecticut is. Um, Can you talk about, you know, what it was like stepping into that kind of environment for you? Um, It was definitely um, a big adjustment coming to the South, just like Different things you notice, people are more friendly. Um, Obviously, the weather's a lot different. Um, I grew up in a city in Connecticut, so um, it was a little bit less small-town Connecticut. So, you know, we had some things to do. People always ask me what even is going on in Connecticut. Um, But my hometown actually reminds me of Baton Rouge a lot. It's kind of an old industrial city, so um, it kind of has... 
a little bit of a share of things to do, um, but it's definitely different coming to a bigger city and things like that. Just a lot more things going on. Of course, Louisiana is just a lot bigger than Connecticut, so there's just a lot more to experience kind of and things like that. Um, it's definitely just kind of an adjustment, and I notice going back home, I'll like start saying sir or ma'am or things like that, and I get made fun of a little Um but yeah, I think the biggest thing was just kind of the friendliness of the people. I really just had like kind of a lot of positive changes coming to the South. I kind of like the atmosphere a lot. Um, and I think people in the North should uh, take a trip down more often. Yeah, for sure. You know, I don't think some of them know what spicy food is like. No, definitely not. <laughs> Claire, do you ever, I mean, with all that's gone on in Louisiana this summer with the abortion ban going through do you ever feel like you want to leave louisiana i think the way that i think about it is there are a lot of things in louisiana politics i don't agree with there's a lot of things that i think are archaic or that we're sliding backwards on um but to me what makes me want to stay in the state is that i think there's a lot of people doing a lot of really great and inspiring work in louisiana and just the heart of how hard people fight for this state and how much love they have for it, um, because it really is a state, in my opinion, that's worth fighting for and it's worth um, staying through all those battles and all those things that are going wrong. And so that's kind of how I think about it. While I don't like a lot of the things that go on in the news and I dedicate a lot of ink at the Revly to criticizing those things, um, I'm here because I think it's a wonderful state and I think it's worth trying to solve those problems no matter how uphill a battle it is. Yeah, I mean, Louisiana is really a treasure. You know, you're not going to want to give up on something like this state. All right. Well, um, Gabby, is there anything else you want to add about, you know, your work on that story, talking to out-of-state students? I think I would just like to add that all those people in the story, they all came to LSU for different reasons. While it, you know, it was the atmosphere that really drew them in, some of them came for dance, some of them came for band, but we all have a reason for being here. Absolutely. All right, Gabby, um, if our listeners want to find more from you, where can they find you on social media? You can find me at, on social media at GV Jimenez, uh, spelled G-V-J-I-M-E-N-E-Z-Z. All right, well, everybody go follow Gabby. She's putting out some great content at the Reveille. Thank you so much for joining us, Gabby. Of course. Great. So you just heard a little bit from Claire Sullivan, our opinion columnist there. Um, I actually brought on Claire to talk about her freshman advice column, the Reveille Declassified School Survival Guide that she's been working on for the past few weeks. Um, you know, we heard a little bit about, you know, Gabby's first year at LSU. Um, you wrote about your first year at LSU in your column. Um, what would you have liked to know your freshman year at LSU? So I came from LSU, um, from out of state, Connecticut, of course. And so I came to Louisiana with no connections. I didn't know anyone. And so I think the biggest thing I had remembered more or pushed myself to do more was kind of just keep in mind that you have to put yourself out there for things to kind of happen in college. You can't just expect things to kind of fall towards you. Um, so I think the biggest piece of advice that I wish I had realized earlier on was just that you should always say yes to different opportunities, um, even if that's just going to get lunch with someone or something like that. Um, 
And you really should not be afraid to put yourself out there as a freshman because everyone's kind of in the same position of trying to make new friends and trying to make new connections. So no matter how far away you're from um, LSU originally, um, everyone's still kind of in the same boat, even if they're from just around the street. Right. You know, one of the things you wrote about kind of spoke to me um, was navigating campus. I mean, LSU is huge. I mean, there's so much going on. There are so many buildings. It's really easy to get lost. I mean, I, I'm a senior at LSU, so I've been here a while, and I had to try to find a building on the engineering side of campus today, and I got a little bit lost. I mean, what kind of advice would you give about navigating campus? Yeah, so this was something I was really concerned about as a freshman because I have an atrocious sense of direction. Um, I can look at a Google Maps uh, thing and still get lost. So I was definitely really stressed coming to campus, and I probably looked at the LSU map like a million times before I got on campus because I was so worried about getting lost and being so late to my classes. Um, But I think LSU is actually not as intimidating as I originally thought, and I think once you kind of get the sense of where everything is generally set up, it becomes a lot easier. So for me, if I'm trying to get to a building and I've never been to that building, I don't know where it is, I think the best thing for me is just to know what direction I need to head in because trying to find all these little corners and turns and streets you're supposed to go down to, at least for me as someone who's very bad at directions just doesn't work. Um, So it's a lot just better if someone tells me, walk this direction, it's by this. Um, And I think it's just something that you get used to over time. I know my freshman year, it was during COVID still. So I wasn't even really wandering around campus that much because most of my classes were online. So there's definitely still things I've never been to, but I think um, it gets a lot smaller over time is what I would say. And there's definitely a lot of muscle memory involved too. Like, you know, for us, we're going to the journalism building a lot. We're going to hear Hodges um, in the Hodges basement a lot. Um, You know, engineers are going to the PFT. You know, business students are going to the BEC. We all kind of learn our our pattern of getting to classes. Um, And for me, it didn't take that long. I mean, obviously, this semester I had a wild card, but you really get used to finding classes on the quad or, you know, wherever your little niche on campus is, don't you think? Yeah, definitely. And since it's places you're going, you know, day after day, week after week, it kind of just really becomes, you know, you don't even think about it when you're going to class. Do you have like a, a bucket list of, you know, places where freshman students should seek out and try to find like cool places to hang out? Uh, do you have any recommendations where, you know, those students should seek out? That's a good question. Um, I think the outside area by the art and design building is really cool. There's a lot of different sculptures. There's a swing set, um, which I think we wrote an article in the Revely about last year, Maddie Scott, I think. Um, So I think that's a really cool place. Um, Of course, the um, Enchanted Forest is always a bucket list item for people. Um, And I think you really just find these like really obscure nooks and crannies that end up becoming your like solid study space. So my recommendation to freshmen is just kind of explore as much as you can, go up to random floors and buildings, and you might find a cool hangout spot. I'll put in a plug to the How Geo or How Russell Geoscience building where they have that dinosaur skeleton. That one's pretty cool. That's a cool study area. And I think exploring the PFT is worth it. So you find some weird, dark nooks up on the upper floors that are a great place to take a nap. 
Yes, we had a column in the Revly a couple of semesters ago, and someone gave their ultimate guide of the best places on campus to take a nap. So that's something to check out if you're ever tired on campus and you can't get back to wherever you live. Have you ever taken a nap on campus? I live on campus, so <laughs> technically yes, um, but I think more your answer is no. Um, I usually manage to slog back to my apartment or dorm and nap there. All right, fair enough. You can you can you can exit out of that question. We won't push you on it. Okay. Um, anything else? Any other advice you want to share with incoming freshmen, Claire? I guess um, just really take advantage of everything that's in front of you. Uh, it's true that it goes really fast. I feel like I was just a freshman, um, but college really speeds right past you and. You know, you don't want to waste the precious time you do have being too afraid to take risks or too afraid to go talk to someone. Um, I think confidence is really the best skill you can develop early on in college. And so really just take advantage of everything that's there um, and don't limit yourself with self-doubt or thinking, I can't do this. I'm not qualified for this. Um, it's too hard. I'm scared, whatever. Um, really just push yourself to be uncomfortable and find situations that kind of stretch you as a person. You know, speaking of, you know, stretching yourself as a person, I think student media is a great place to do that. Um, you know, I started working at the Reveille and now I'm hanging out at KLSU. Tiger TV has a lot of cool opportunities. Um, do you think that finding a spot at the Reveille helped you be confident on campus? Yes, definitely. I applied to like three sections at the Reveille when I applied. And when I got hired as a columnist, I was like, oh no, they should not be letting me write in this paper. Like, I'm not qualified to do this. Like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, but I think it definitely forced me to be more confident because you don't want to have a lot of self-doubt when you're doing journalism, things like that, um, because you kind of just have to go for it and hope for the best. Um, and people guide you, of course. But yeah, I think finding, whether it's in student media or a student research job, um, just finding something that you're interested in, it kind of gives you an automatic community of people, especially in student media. You'll make friends with people in your section and things like that. So it's definitely a great way to put yourself out there and develop confidence. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'll just put a plug out for all of the resources that LSU has available for people who are struggling. You know, the resources are not perfect, but LSU has resources for mental health services. If you need accommodations, you can go to the Student Health Center to be evaluated to get accommodations. There's a food pantry on campus. There are a lot of things available to you if you need help. So just reach out and ask for it. All right. Well, Claire, thank you so much for joining us to talk about this today. If our listeners want to find more from you, where can they find you on social media? I'm on Twitter at Sully Claire, S-U-L-L-I-C-L-A-I-R-E. All right, guys, you need to go follow Claire to read some award-winning columns from the Revely Zone, Claire Sullivan. And uh, now we're joined today by Allie Neal from the Louisiana Department of Health. Um, how are you doing today, Allie? Thanks for joining us. Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Well, Allie, can you give us a little bit of an update on where the state is with COVID right now? Absolutely. Happy to. <clears throat> so we are very thankfully, as Louisiana, coming down from our longest COVID surge yet. Um, this is our now, um, which is 
pretty surreal to say out loud. Um, and um, as I mentioned, it's, it's the longest one to date. We, um, we've heard it described, um, as our state health officer, Dr. Cantor, has said before, um, as a, a surge within a surge, meaning we saw the start of this COVID surge, um, which was really fueled by the BA2 variant. Um, and we probably would have seen it come down sooner um, except we then saw the emergence and dominance nationwide, but also in Louisiana, of the BA5 variant, um, which is highly, much, much more transmissible. Um, and that really created this sort of wave within a wave um, and, and led to um, a much longer surge. But, but again, thankfully, we are, we are starting to see signs that we are coming down um, when we look at all of our COVID data, hospitalizations. Um, cases, um, percent positivity, we're, we're starting to move in the right direction. Well, that's certainly a good thing that we're coming down from this surge. But, you know, school is starting back. We've got a lot of people gathering on cl- on campus. You know, we're coming into these kind of small classrooms that are filled up with uh, one of the largest freshman classes LSU has ever had. Um, what would you advise students to do to keep themselves safe on campus? Yeah, so glad you asked. Even though we are coming down from the surge, um, and it's very, very good news, um, it, there, there's still COVID out there, um, and, and you know, not an insignificant amount um, circulating throughout Louisiana. Um, unfortunately, this pandemic is not over, and so the the most important, the most concrete action you can take, if you haven't done so yet, is to make sure that you are up to date on your COVID vaccines. Um, And so that means, um, you know, making sure that you have completed your your primary vaccine series. So your, your, um, you know, your your two doses, or um, making sure that as soon as you're eligible, you then get your booster shot. And I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about the importance of boosters, um, but just really want to make a plug that it's it's not enough. Um, The, the, actually the vaccination rate, um, you know, among, among young people is is pretty good, especially on our college campuses, pretty high. Um, But the booster rate, um, we've got some work to do and it's, it's really important. So the uh, most important thing you can do is make sure you're up to date on your COVID vaccines. That protects you. That protects others. Um, and then, you know, if you we've learned a lot about, um, you know, good, good hand hygiene <laughs> and all of these other these other practices that are important tools alongside the vaccine. So if you're if you're feeling sick, stay home. You know, if you're um, you know, don't. Don't don't push it. Um, if you're if you think you might have um, COVID, or if you had um, you think you might have been in a setting where there might have been COVID, where where maybe folks weren't up to date on their vaccines, it's really easy now to get an at home test. Um, you can you know you can go to um, uh, I believe it's COVID.gov. I'll check I'll check in a second, but COVID.gov um, and order your your free test. So, um, so yes, but yes, please make sure you're vaccinated. Um, you can get your COVID vaccine, um, you know, at, at many locations near you throughout Louisiana, including your own college campus. 
Right. Those vaccines are available at the Student Health Center and uh, COVID at-home tests are actually available for free for for students at the Student Union now, um, which I think students should definitely take advantage of that. Um, You know, Ali, something I hear a lot on campus is that, you know, COVID is not something that really affects young people. And with LSU dropping its vaccine mandate, you know, a lot of you know, these freshmen who are coming in who've never been under a vaccine mandate are probably, you know, wondering why they should get a vaccine. You know, what would you say to them? Yeah, I think it's a a fair question. So it comes down to, it really is a very easy way for you to protect yourself and protect those around you. So your your classmates, your, your family members, your neighbors, um, other folks you see at a bar, it, it, it protects you and it helps extend that protection to others. Um, for students, you know, I, I think there's a, especially for young people, there's, you know, a fair question around, okay, well, I'm young and healthy. I've got a pretty good immune system, I think. You know, why do I need the vaccine? Um, and <clears throat> while it's true that as a young, healthy person, you are on average less likely to suffer from severe complications from COVID, right? Like hospitalization and death. Um, that that's an average. There still are. Um, there still are. And let me pull up the numbers right here. Um, you know, there still have been 130 deaths, COVID deaths, among 18 to 29 year olds in Louisiana. So it, it still happens. Um, and who really wants to take that chance? Um, but on top of it, just, you know, getting sick is a pain in the butt. Like, who who wants to miss school or work because of COVID? So it's, it's important for that reason, too. And, you know, the last is, um, you know, it also reduces the likelihood. By reducing the likelihood of you getting COVID, it also reduces the likelihood of you getting long COVID or other potential longer-term complications, which we've seen pop up in in young, otherwise healthy individuals um, who who maybe otherwise didn't have initial severe complications from COVID. Long COVID is what scares me. I mean, I spoke to um, Dr. Lucio Miele at LSU Health New Orleans, and he was telling me that like as many as like one in three people might develop long COVID symptoms and they affect every system in the body. I mean, I really mm-hmm. think it can't be overstated that that's something you want to avoid. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Same here. And it's, it, we're still learning a lot about it. It's still a relatively new phenomenon. Um, but I've heard, yeah, similar, similar early data. Um, and, and what we're hearing is that it's, and also impact really young, really healthy, really athletic individuals who have good immune systems. Um, with you know, and, and for those who don't know, like long COVID, there many folks have different definitions for it, but basically the idea is lingering symptoms after resolving your initial COVID infection um, that can sometimes last up to what we're hearing um, can sometimes last for several weeks to several months after your infection. So definitely not fun and something you want to you want to do what you can to to minimize the likelihood that you get that. Right. Absolutely. Um, 
Ali, can you address, you know, maybe some of the myths that we hear about the vaccine? I mean, young people, you know, they've raised the question about the vaccine affecting their fertility if they want to have families in the future. Um, is there any veracity to those claims? I'm so glad you raised this. Um, there are a lot of myths, unfortunately, when it comes to COVID and when it comes to the vaccine. And, and this is this is a stubborn one. Um, and so I'm glad that you raised it. Um, COVID vaccines do not impact fertility. There is zero evidence that shows that it impacts fertility or pregnancy outcomes. Um, in fact, leading women's health organizations recommend that that women, including pregnant women, get vaccinated. Um, you know, it actually um, can confer protection. It can actually um, extend the protection um, to to the baby, to the fetus. Um, and actually, it's, it's it's the reverse. It's not that the the COVID vaccine can have a negative impact on fertility or pregnancy outcomes. It's it's that COVID as an infection can. We know that. Um, pregnant women are, are at greater risk of severe outcome from COVID. So it's really, it's really important. And again, just to stress, all leading women's health organizations recommend that, that women, including pregnant women, get vaccinated against COVID. And, and one interesting thing that I don't think is talked about as much is that um, there is also data that shows that um, infections so from COVID Infection can impact male fertility, so something to think about. That was actually just what I was about to ask you about. I think <laughs> I um, I saw that on one of the Louisiana Department of Health slideshows in one of your um, technical briefings. Um, yeah, it's, it's a. I feel like there's there's a little bit less awareness around that one about that data point. Uh, yeah, that's definitely that some people want to be aware of as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Allie, we have another disease coming through Louisiana right now. Um, can you tell us a little bit about monkeypox? Happily. Um, so monkeypox is a disease that's caused by a virus, and it's spread largely through skin-to-skin contact. Um, it is not new, um, though, and, it's, and actually there have been previous outbreaks um, in, in the United States. Um, but, you know, the reason we're talking about it now is because um, since May 2022, um, we, we've seen a, a new outbreak in the United States. Um, and we actually detected our first case of monkeypox in Louisiana, I believe it was on July 7th, early July. And we're now up to 146 cases. The last I counted, we actually, I think we announced 13 or reported 13 new cases today. Um, We've identified monkeypox in um, six of our nine public health regions, including region two, which is the, the Baton Rouge area. Um, So we, and we continue to monitor the situation very closely. Um, the monkeypox is most uh, characterized by a, a rash um, that can pop up in various places on your body. And, um, and it can look like pimples or blisters or sores. Um, and <clears throat> it is often accompanied by 
flu-like symptoms. Um, and so we are encouraging anyone who has an unexplained rash to, to go get it checked out, to go seek medical attention right away. And even if it's not monkeypox, um, you know, you'll, um, you'll have peace of mind by, by, uh, getting some, some confirmation of, of what your, your rash is. But, um, we, we do encourage folks, if you have an unexplained rash, if you have any of these symptoms, go get it checked out. Um, testing is widely available for monkeypox. Um, I do want to include that, you know, any, anyone can get and spread monkeypox. Um, what we are, that said, what we are seeing right now is that the, the outbreak so far is disproportionately impacting um, gay, bi- gay and bisexual men and, and other men who have sex with men. Um, and so we're, <clears throat> um, that's about, I think the last time I checked, that's about 95% um, of our cases in Louisiana to date are among men. Now, how is monkeypox spread? I mean, I know some people are saying, like, it's basically an STI, but that's not really the case, is it? No, no. And I'm, I'm glad you, you mentioned that. It is not an STI. Um, it can spread in a, um, it can spread in a few different ways. It is, um, it is largely spread through skin-to-skin contact. Um, and really largely spread through contact with the, the sores of somebody who has monkeypox. Um, it can also be spread through shared, um, shared items. Think like, you know, clothing or bed linen, et cetera. So it can be shared, it, it can be spread through shared linens of somebody who has monkeypox. It can also be shared through um, respiratory uh, droplet through prolonged, um, you know, physical contact. So this isn't like casual contact, like you're you're on a plane with with somebody who has monkeypox and you can get it. This is this is think kissing, cuddling. Um, it can it can include that, um, but it can also include you know a massage or, or other activities as well. Well, might this you know be something students who are living in like freshman dorms want to be cautious about, you know, with sharing, you know, laundry, living in close, close proximity with each other, sharing shower stalls and whatnot. Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. And it's, you know, we are not seeing increased transmission yet on college campuses um, in Louisiana. That said, we, we do want to make sure that Students are aware. We want to make sure that um, students know where to get their questions about monkeypox answered. And we want to make sure that if anyone has any concerns, if you have an unexplained rash, if you're looking for resources, you know where to go. Um, And so I would encourage you, if you've got any questions, um, you can go to our website, which is lbh.la.gov slash monkeypox. That's Um, We have a bunch of data on there about the outbreak in Louisiana. We have a lot of frequently asked questions, and we have guidance for, for the public, uh, for those who um, you know, feel they may be symptomatic, um, and, and specifically around vaccines and vaccine locations. Um, and then if you, again, if, you know, your, your student health center is, a, is another great resource. If you've got questions, you've got concerns, 
you want to know what resources are available to you, I, I do encourage you to reach out to the Student Health Center. Right, absolutely. Um, and on the topic of vaccines, who's eligible for the vaccine? Yes, good question. So <clears throat> we do have a vaccine. It's called Janeo, um, FDA approved. It's two doses administered 28 days apart. Um, and in terms of who's currently eligible, it's really, I think of it as two big groups of people. The first group of people are known exposure. So you've had known exposure to a monkeypox patient. The second group of people is, um, and if you're in that group, you will predominantly find out you were a known exposure because a contact tracer with the Louisiana Department of Health will, will contact you. For the second group of people, it is really um, those who have um, who are at risk of recent exposure, um, and so that fits a few different groups of people. Um, and, and I should say, yeah, high risk exposure in the last 14 days specifically. Um, so this includes gay, bisexual, and, and other men who have sex with men or transgender women and non-binary people assigned male at birth who have sex with men and, importantly, have had intimate or sexual contact with multiple anonymous partners in the last 14 days or have had intimate or sexual contact with other men in a social or sexual venue in the last 14 days. So that's one group. Um, we've extended eligibility recently to also include individuals of any sex or gender identity who have given or received money or other goods and services in exchange for sex in the last 14 days. Um, and then any, any individual, again, of any sex or gender identity who's been determined to be at high risk for monkeypox exposure by a healthcare provider or public health official. All right. Well, that last one is a good one to know. I actually haven't heard about that one. Um, yeah, so I'm glad you a, mentioned it. No, for sure. And that's a, that's a very recent addition. Um, and so it's, <clears throat> so again, it's, it's in thinking about who, who fits into these groups and why, you know, really we've, we've come up with these categories and they're based on, um, you know, the limited data we have so far about who is, who is at greatest risk in Louisiana of getting monkeypox based on who's gotten it so far. Um, and then in looking at good practices and again, looking at the outbreaks in other states. Um, and so that's how we've come up with those criteria. But, you know, we, we would really like to expand that criteria further um, as we receive more vaccine. And we've been fiercely advocating the CDC for much more vaccine as we get more vaccine um, and, and if we see, um, you know, cases, if we start to see monkeypox um, impacting different groups, uh, we will continue to expand that eligibility criteria. Right. Excellent. And the LDH website is a great place to go to um, get updates of that sort. Okay. Um, Allie, is there anything else you want to add about COVID or monkeypox before I let you run? Anything else? I, one, uh, just going back to COVID for a second, um, you know, I do want to include on, on the positive side that, you know, more than 2.8 million people in Louisiana, including many, many, many young people, have gotten their first shot um, against COVID. 
and two point uh, more than two point five million people in Louisiana have actually completed their their that first you know that primary vaccine series. Um, and so I, I say that because you know the majority of people in Louisiana have at least started their COVID vaccine series, and that's. That's really good. And we actually continue, you know, we're two and a half years into this pandemic. And yet every day um, we see we see more people who decide to get their first shot, who decide to get their second shot, who decide to get their booster shot. Um, and that's that's how we continue to stay safe. And that's how we continue to protect those around us. And it's how we get back to all the things that we really love and the things that we've missed about Louisiana. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think everybody's, you know, really looking forward to getting back to true normalcy. We've had, you know, two years of going through the COVID pandemic. You know, that's half of some people's college careers. Um, You know, I would strongly encourage anybody who's listening to go and get vaccinated. Um, I'm vaccinated and boosted and I haven't gotten COVID yet. I'm just like trying to figure out when I can get it, get another booster. (laughs) <laughs> I know I'm, I'm in that camp as well. And, um, yeah, we'll, in the meantime, um, you know, in the meantime, feeling, feeling good about my protection so far, but yeah, as soon as they make another booster available, we'll, we'll be in line to get it. Well, I look forward to that press release, Allie. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you so You'll much for, thank you so much for joining us today, Allie. This has been really interesting and I hope that everybody out here is going to hear what you have to say. Thanks so much, Piper, for having me. All right. Thanks, Allie. Bye now. Bye. That's all for Tiger Talk. I'm your host, Piper Hutchinson. This podcast has been produced by David Robbins. You can find more from The Reveille on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at LSU Reveille and on TikTok at Reveille LSU. You can find more from KLSU on Instagram at KLSU FM or live on the radio at 91.1 FM.